December 27th, 2017, and welcome to episode number 83 of the the, the WCWS Radio Network's weekly pop culture review show. This is WCWS Outside the Ropes. Once again, I am Mr. WCWS, Chad Hinshaw, back on the line here with you, as we get set to talk about some of your favorite moments here, uh, some big, some interesting uh, uh, tidbits that popped up in the world of pop culture here. Of course, also help, also help me call the play-by-play here, of course, with uh, with everything from your box office report to, of course, your uh, your big-time sports news and other items is the Iceman, J.D. Gerard J.D., of course, is a 2015 and 17 WCWS Hall of Famer, and he's also, of course, part of the team that brings you WCWS Raw Radio every Monday afternoon right here on TalkShoe.com. Let's go ahead and bring uh, J.D. in here as we welcome him, of course, to number 83 of Outside the Ropes. With the final show of the year. Indeed. Uh, the final, we should say, final triple threat Wednesday here. Of course, two more shows to pop on here a little bit later on. We'll talk more about that here in a little bit. In addition, of course, to our uh, pop culture tidbits, we'll, of course, we'll put, we'll put J.D. back in the, in the uh, fireproof suit, and I hope... Uh, uh, our our filling co-host last week, uh, the Human Suplex Machine, John Gross, didn't uh, stretch it out too much there for you there, J.D. I hope it still fits. <laughs> nah, I'm just thinking. As of course we'll test it, we'll test J.D. once again in of course a hot seat movie trivia challenge there as well. Will join us for anything that we talk about here, of course, on episode number 83 of Outside the Ropes this evening. Give us a call by, by all means, ladies and gentlemen, one seven two four 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 four. 7444, call ID 141-387-POUND, and press that one if you want to chime in on anything that we have to talk about here uh, this evening. Let's go ahead and get things rocking and rolling here with some news popping up here. Currency, of course, of our friends at 411 Mania, who are, of course, good friends of the WWS Radio Network, who allow us to read their stories, of course, over here outside the ropes, as well as, of course, Revolution and Wolfpack here each and every every night. Uh, let's see what we have right here on tap here uh, this evening. Uh, we've been talking about we've been talking about Star Wars. Related. I got a couple of Star Wars related. Uh, I'll bring it up here. Uh, sadly, a passing in 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 the Star Trek. I mean Star Trek, Star Wars universe. Sorry, I'm also a Star Trek fanatic, ladies and gentlemen. That that comes naturally. <laughs> Which one is better? For me, it doesn't make any difference. I like them both. Anyway, uh, we have some of the report here, of course, in the uh, Star Wars universe, as uh, as as the Star Wars family loses one of their uh, actors, uh, according to Joseph Lee, right here at Foil of Mania, actor Alfie Curtis sadly has passed away at the age of 87. In a post on Twitter, Mark Hamill revealed that Alfie Curtis, who played the disfigured Doctor Eva Ivazin in Star in the first Star Wars movie, A New Hope, has passed away at the age of 87. Ivazin was one of two wanted men who confront Luke Skywalker Moss Eisley Cantina and take the lightsaber from Obi-Wan Kenobi for his trouble. He has other films and TV shows to his credit, including The Elephant Man and The Wildcats of St. Trinidad. The news breaks on a day when it also happens to be the one-year anniversary of the sad, the tragic death of Carrie Fisher, 
who, of course, plays Princess slash General Leia Organa, of course, of the franchise. 411, and, of course, WWS Radio Network would like to give our, their condol- our condolences to the family, friends, and fans of Mr. Curtis. Here is the tweet that uh, Mark Hamill did post here earlier today. Uh, at, at Hamill himself is his Twitter handle. He says, Alfred Curtis made the hashtag Star Wars Masazi Cantina scene one of the most memorable I've ever been a part of, even more memorable. As horrific as he was on, on camera, off camera, he was funny, kind, and a real gentleman. Thanks, Alf. You'll be missed. Hashtag rest in peace uh, with a little heart symbol from MH. Uh, uh, JD, uh, I'm sure you remember the scene right there. What a tragic loss, another loss either in the Star Wars universe. Indeed, this time before the end of the year, too, it's been a crazy year as we've lost a lot of big names this year again. How and this is just uh, unfortunate how it decided to happen so soon before the first of the year. Indeed, and of course, on the heels, of course, of The Last Jedi coming out being pretty good, which we'll talk about here in your report here in just a few moments. And of course, to talking along the lines of the Star Wars universe here, uh, Mark Hamill also, according to Joseph Lee of 411 Mania, pays tribute to Carrie Fisher, of course, sadly, a year after uh, she after a year after her death. In a post on Instagram, Mark Hamill posted a tribute to Carrie Fisher on the one-year anniversary of her death. Hamill also created a hashtag, CarrieOnCarrie, C-A-R-R-I-E, on forever, which is currently trending on Twitter. He also used a quote from the film itself in the post. He wrote the following here on Instagram. No one's ever really gone. Hashtag always with us. Hashtag carry on forever. Mark Hamill definitely, uh, J.D., today paying paying, uh, memorable tributes here. Uh, Of course, uh, here, of course, to two of his fellow Star Wars uh, co-stars. Indeed he is. Yes, indeed. And Mark Hamill's always been a great gentleman and, and and that's very glad that uh, he, he never forgets those who, you know, worked alongside him. And and uh, it's, like I said, I mean, on, like I said, on, on like I said, when the movie, when, when, of course, the new movie is, we've heard it's doing pretty well. We have, of course, several, uh, we have, we have, of course, sadly, one death here and another death that we pay tribute to, like I said, uh, uh, <clears throat> a year later, indeed. Uh, um, let's see here. The governor, Joseph Lee, once again, brings us a story here of the list of movies and TV shows coming to Netflix in January, including The Conjuring, The Godfather Trilogy, and more. Let's see what we have right here. Netflix has announced the movies and TV shows. This is coming from Joseph Lee again. Yes. Uh, He's on fire here tonight here, folks. Netflix has announced the movies and TV shows arriving on the service in January, which includes the entire Godfather trilogy, The Conjuring, and more. And we have got, oh, boy, J.D., we've got a list here. I'm not, uh, you know what, I'm going to use this as my uh, ending story. This is going to take this is going to take me a little bit here, but I will do a couple of wrestling tidbits here in a little bit. But January 1st, 10,000 B.C., 30 Days of Night, Age of Shadows, Alpha Go, America's Sweethearts, Apollo 13, Batman, Batman and Robin, Batman Begins, Batman Forever, Batman Returns. They're putting this in alphabetical order, by the way. Breakfast at Tiffany's, Bring It On, Bring It On Again, Bring It On All or Nothing, Bring It On Fight to the Finish, Bring It On In It to Win It, Caddyshack, okay, Chef and My Fridge, 2017, I don't know what that is, uh, Defiance, Definitely Maybe, Season 3 of Eastsiders, Furry Vengeance, a Netflix original, Season 1 of Glossé, I guess that's, I guess that's how you pronounce it, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, Justin Bieber, Never Say Never. <laughs> King Kong. Now, I don't know which King Kong this, this could be possibly the recent one. I'm not sure. but uh, all, uh, all four Lethal Weapon movies, License to Wed, Like Water for Chocolate, 
Love Actually, season three of another Netflix original, Love Sick, Madman, the Steve Madden story, Marie Antoinette, Martin Luther, the idea that changed the world, Midnight in Paris, Monsters vs. Aliens, National Treasure, Sharknado 5, Global Swarming, Stardust, Trickly Ballroom, The Dukes of Hazard, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, The First Time, of course, like we said, the Godfather trilogy, the, Ital- the Italian Job, The Lovely Bones, The Shawshank Redemption, The Truman Show, The Vault, Training Day, Treasures from the Wreck of the Unbelievable, Troy, Wedding Crashers, and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And J.D., that's just the first day of the year. Yeah. Uh, January 2nd, Mustang Island, Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, and Rent. January 5th, Before I Wake, which is a Netflix original, an, uh, another Netflix original, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. Uh, season one of the Netflix original called Devil Man Cry Baby. Another Netflix original uh, called Rotten. Uh, January 6th, I think this is something called Episodes, seasons one through five. January 8th, The Conjuring. January 10th, 47 meters down, Alejandro Riano, especially, I guess, the stand-up, I guess that's a Hispanic stand-up I guess that's a Netflix original. Captain Underpants, the first epic movie in the D. That's January the 10th, by the way. January the 12th, season two of Colony. Uh, two more Netflix originals, Disjointed Part Two and Somebody Feet Phil. The Man Who Would Be Polka King. And two more Netflix originals, <clears throat> The Polka King and Tom Segura Disgraceful. January 14th, Wild Hogs. Uh, that, that's the one I think with John Travolta. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. January 15th, 2018 Olympic Winter Games preview, meet Team, meet team USA and go for the gold. Uh, Raheem's, I guess that's how you pronounce it, R-E-H-E-N-E-S, I guess that's how you pronounce it, and Unrest. January 16th, Dallas Buyers Club, Cat Williams' Great America, another Netflix, another Netflix original. Excuse me about that. And season four of Rita. I say that name. I say that calmly because that's also my mother's first name. I can. <laughs> you very rarely hear me say that name. So there you go. Uh, January seventeenth, another Netflix original. Arango Ye Sanit Razai El Show. And season four of Friday Night Tykes, January 18th, Bad Day for the Cut, and Tiempos de Guerrero, which is season one at the Netflix original. And January 19th, four more Netflix originals, season one of Drug Lords, season four of Grace and Frankie, The Open House, and Trolls, The Beat Goes On, it's season one of that. January 23rd, Todd Glass, Act Happy, I said, I believe I said that was a Netflix original. I know this. Whoa, okay. Uh, okay, come here. Let's see. Uh, January 24th, Ricardo Quevedo, Hay Gente Asai. I can't pronounce that Spanish. That's a Netflix original. Acts of Vengeance on January 25th. January 26th, A Futile and Stupid Gesture, a Netflix original. Dirty Money, another Netflix original. Llama Llama, season one, which is season one of this, is a Netflix original. Season two of One Day at a Time, a Netflix original. Sebastian Marcelo Weinrock, I may be pronouncing that wrong, I'm sorry. That's a Netflix original. The Adventures of Puss and Boots, season six, a Netflix original. Uh, Mao Nieto Vivendo Sabrio, Descende El Bar, which is a Netflix original. Uh, El Misterio de Tiempo, uh, actually seasons one through two, and then season three, which is a Netflix original. January 29th, The Force. January 30th, Babylon Berlin, season one through season one and two, a Netflix original. 
death race beyond anarchy and retribution Netflix original uh, season one and January 31st Cars 3 well uh, first off GD let me get my breath uh, your thoughts on the lineup that Netflix has in store for, for viewers in January quite a bit of um, things to watch out for in the new year indeed indeed uh, before I get to any wrestling tidbits here, folks, uh, let's go ahead and get J.D. in here. Let's go ahead and let him get him, get, get some uh, sports and other stories from the box house report in there. Uh, J.D., please go ahead and proceed, sir. All right. Our top movie of the week was once again Star Wars, however, and it definitely drew in quite a bit, however. It took another $71.5 million for the Christmas weekend. In two weeks, it's already made $368.1 million in two weeks. To mind you, welcome to the jungle, however, on a budget of 53 uh, uh, a total of 50 finished second between 36 and a half to 53 million on a budget of 90 million in its first week. Pitch Perfect 2, the final sequel of Bellas, however, took in third, however, on a budget of 6.9 million this weekend. On a, its budget was set for 45 million. But the big disappointment might have been the greatest showman, however. The Hugh Jackman, Zach Efron, the musical, uh, however, drama, however, took in only $8.8 million, however, and debuted, however, very weak, however, in its opening week on a budget of $84 million. All told, it took $13.5 million. Also, Fernand, with John Cena, however, fell to fifth, however, with $7.3 million. So far in two weeks, it's only made $27 million on a budget of $110 million in two weeks. Speaking of Star Wars, however, mind you, we do have some news about that, however. And we can tell you right now, however, it is closing in on $850 million worldwide. This is according, according to Jeff While many of you think that this is the question, The Last Jedi is doing very well. The latest sequel from Walt Disney Pictures and Lucasfilm earned $28.3 million domestically and $24.2 million internationally, a total of $52.5 million. That means so far it has earned over $424 million in North America, $420.2 million overseas, and $845 million worldwide. The film is now the number two domestic film of the year, passing Wonder Woman. While there are only four days left in the year, it still has a good chance of talking Beauty and the Beast, however, 500 plus million to become the top million of 2017. Now, new movies out this week, however, are going to be some interesting ones, and we'll tell you about those too here in just a second. But before we do, however, yes, folks, however, just when you thought it was safe, however, to get out of the house, however, that seems to be the saying, however, and we'll tell you why. Earlier this week, however, over five feet of snow fell in parts of western New York and Pennsylvania in a record-breaking lake effect snow event as bitter cold temperatures are heading into the northeast. The airport in Erie, Pennsylvania, just two hours north of Pittsburgh, my hometown, has had reports of a whopping 65.1 inches of snow from this lake effect event, the highest snowfall total from any event on record in Erie. Heavy lake effect snow is produced by cold Arctic move, air moving over relatively mild water temperatures in the Great Lakes. Now, with over 100 inches of snow in December, this has become Erie's snowiest month, excuse me, uh, month on record. The upstate New York town of Redfield has seen 60.2.2 inches of snow since Monday, making it the highest two-day snowfall on record for Osawago County, New York. A state of emergency has been declared in Osawago, with the mayor saying in a statement that city hall is closed and the residents should avoid traveling and parking on city streets. Meanwhile, in the rain in New York, firefighters reported that a resident was trapped in her home after several feet of snow fell in her area. The fire department wrote on Facebook earlier today, Residents in the town of Worth and Lorraine, please check on your neighbors. Very good point there. Uh, meanwhile, however, we will talk about uh, the new movies coming out here in just a few minutes. But first off, ladies and gentlemen, some football news for you all. Earlier today, however, at the Independence Bowl, however, mind you, however, the walk-on Independence Bowl, if you will, the Florida State Seminoles ended their season with a 42-13 win by defeating Southern Miss. Uh, the Golden Eagles uh, in, down at Shreveport, Louisiana. Meanwhile, at the Pinstripe Bowl in New York City right now, however, the Boston College Eagles are leading the Iowa Hawkeyes 17-10, to 10, while tonight, however, at the Foster Farms uh, Bowl, however, in Santa Clara, California, uh, home of the 49ers, it will be the Arizona Wildcats taking on the Purdue Boilermakers, and the Texas Longhorns will be playing the Missouri Tigers, however, at 9 p.m. tonight, however, 
in Houston, however, mind you, at the 2017 Texas Bowl. Now, tomorrow, bowl season continues to heat up, however, as we head into the weekend. However, and here are the bowls set for tomorrow. Virginia will be playing Navy at the Military Bowl in Annapolis, Maryland. Virginia Tech will be playing Oklahoma State. Stanford will be playing TCU. And Washington State will be playing Michigan State in the Holiday Bowl, while Stanford and TCU will be playing the Alamo Bowl. Friday even promised to be exciting, however, and some of the games that you will see on Friday include the Sun Bowl between North Carolina State, the Wolfpack, and Arizona State as Todd Graham, the ex-Pitt Panther head coach and former Arizona State Wild Sun Devil coach, will be coaching his last game. Meanwhile, the big game to watch out for Friday night, obviously, will be the Cotton Bowl at the Goodyear game, however, down in Dallas between the University of Southern California and the Ohio State University. Meanwhile, on Saturday, however, we got a great slate of games as well, including the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl between Washington University of Seattle, the Huskies, and their quarterback Jake Browning taking on Penn State University and head coach James Franklin. Also, it will be the Orange Bowl on Saturday, however, between Wisconsin and Miami down there in sunny Miami, Florida. On Monday, however, for the first day of the new year, however, in 2018, we got a slate of games on your plate, and here's what we got. Michigan will be playing South Carolina at the Outback Bowl in Tampa. It will be Notre Dame taking on Louisiana State at the Buffalo Wild Wings Citrus Bowl in Orlando, Florida. Georgia will be taking on Oklahoma in the granddaddy of them all, the the Vizio uh, Rose Bowl. And, of course, the big one, Monday night, ladies and gentlemen, in New Orleans, it will be Alabama taking on Clemson for the third time in three years in the Nokia Sugar Bowl down on Bourbon Street. Uh, let's see, some other news to report, of course, as you know, the NFL playoffs are starting to heat up, however, and of course this weekend we got some pretty good games to watch out for, however, including some with playoff implications. The Atlanta Falcons will be at home taking on the Carolina Panthers, who last week eked out a close victory against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on a very... Well, let's just say crazy call to end the game, however. Meanwhile, the New England Patriots, however, will be hosting the New York Jets. And, of course, the Patriots made news earlier this week, however, by winning another questionable game, however, uh, despite a very questionable ruling in the second half of their game against Buffalo. However, they also acquired former Pittsburgh Steeler James Harrison late yesterday, however, after talks began early yesterday morning. Meanwhile, speaking of the Steelers, however, the Steelers got back on the schneid, however, and clinched a spot in the playoffs, however, by defeating the Houston Texans Christmas afternoon against Houston in Houston this past Monday, and will wrap up their season against the winless Browns in Pittsburgh in a frigid icebox, if you will, this coming um, Sunday afternoon. Meanwhile, however, the big story, however, of controversy, however, is not on the football field this week, but it is actually, believe it or not, however, in the NBA. Following what happened Monday afternoon between Cleveland and also Golden State, we understand, however, there were some questionable calls in the game between Golden State and also the Cavalier game this past Monday afternoon. According to reports, the NBA announced that Warriors forward and former Oklahoma City superstar Kevin Durant got away with three fouls and Cavaliers forward LeBron James with one in their Christmas Day matchup this past Monday. James and Durant had different opinions on missed fouls in the final minutes of the game, to which the Cavs, of course, lost 99-92. But James said at a shoot-around as they prepared to play for the Sacramento Kings earlier today the following comments. I think for me the worst thing is when I actually go and talk to the ref and they say it was nothing. Like I go over and say to the official, you didn't see that? No, I don't think it was anything. It was no call, no foul. That's the worst for me. If he says, I missed that one, or maybe I wasn't in the right position, but when you see the ref right there on the face, I'm looking at the whole plane, you go up to him, and he says there's no call multiple times in crunch time, that's the frustrating part. And for me, it's even more frustrating because I know how I'm officiated at times. At the time, Durant fouled James twice with less than 30 seconds to go in the game, and the Cavs down three. First, making forearm contact to the Cavs star that affected, quote, his speed, quickness, balance, rhythm, and then making contact moments later to his arm and body that affected his driving shot attempt, which was blocked. Referee Derek Stafford, however, initially signaled it as the Cavs' ball, but his call was overturned over after the review and the Warriors were awarded the possession. When asked if officials should be allowed to retroactively assess the foul that was originally a no-call and if they were undergoing a replay review, James simply said, I believe so. Uh, Meanwhile, he went on to say this, however, mind you, however, uh, after slamming, uh, what was it? The reports also started for the mechanism of accountability to our fans and the media who fa- uh, fairly seek clarifications, however, of after our games, according to the league. James slammed the quote last two minute report conceit last December, saying the following 
I'm not a fan of the two-minute report. I think it describes what the referees are doing for 48 minutes. If that's the case, you might as well do a 48-minute report. It's not fair to the refs that you only talk about the only two, final two minutes of the game and not the first 46. There's plays that missed. There's plays that are called throughout the 48 minutes that don't get talked about. Now, after the latest late-game controversy, James was skeptical about handling over more control to the league's replay center to caucus New Jersey, and it would be a solution to correcting missed calls in the moment of games being played out of the arenas around the country. So, we will definitely be keeping an eye on this story. And, as I said, folks, we do have some movies coming out this week, so let's get back into that real quick, Howard, before we get into talking more real quick. Uh, we will tell you these are the movies to watch for this week, however... I just saw it, so please bear with me, folks. Uh, this week, however, we have the following out this weekend. Uh, I just saw it, so uh, we have... Uh, okay, here we go. It will be this week. Molly's Game. The true story of a Molly Bloom, an Olympic-class skier who the world, who ran the world's most exclusive high-stakes poker game for a decade before being arrested in the middle of the night by 17 FBI agents wielding atomic weapons. However, her players included all... Loyalty, sports stars, business titans, and unbeknownst to her, the Russian mob. Her only ally was her criminal defense lawyer, Charlie Jaffe, who learns that there is much more to Molly than the tabloids led us to believe. Jessica Chastain from Zero Dark Thirty, Michael Sierra from Super Bad, among other films, including Year One with Jack Black, Idris Elba started in this very, very intense thriller. Daniel Day-Lewis, meanwhile, is back in the picture this week and stars in one of his final movies, Phantom Thread. Set in the glamour of 1950s post-war London, renowned dressmaker Reynolds Woodcock and his sister are at the center of British fashion dressing royalty. Movie stars Harris's socialites, debutantes, and dames with a distinct style of the House of Woodcock. One would come and go through his life, providing the confirmed bachelor of inspiration and companionship until he comes across a young, strong-willed uh, woman, Alma, who soon becomes a fixture in his life as his muse and lover. Once controlled and planned, he finds his carefully terrible love disrupted by love. Diane Kruger, best known for her roles in the movie, of course, National Treasure, is also back in the spotlight this week, and she stars in a drama called In the Fate. And finally, Annette Bening, the wife of Warren Beatty, along with Julie Walters and Jamie Stel- um, Bell, star in Film Stars Don't Die in Liverpool. That'll be, of course, coming out in limited roles this week, but it'll be out for the public maybe as early as next week, however, for the first big movie of 2018. Based on Peter Turner's memoir, the film follows the play- play- the playful but passionate relationship between Turner and the eccentric award-winning actress Gloria Graham in 1978 Liverpool. What starts as a vibrant affair between a legendary femme fatale and her young lover quickly grows into a deeper relationship, with Turner being the person Gloria turns to for comfort. Their passion and lustful life is tested to the limits by events beyond their control, so be sure to watch out for this uh, very sleepy uh, hit this week for our final movies of 2017. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you very much, sir, J.D., for your, for your uh, report here tonight. And now joining us, coming in on the wire, you might have heard some background sound there while J.D. was giving his, his, uh, his, his, his report here. That was, uh, um, of course, uh, like the human support of John Gross. You're joining us here. Uh, of course, John is the, uh, the first 2016 WWS Hall of Famer. He's also, of course, another part of the team that brings WWS Raw Radio every Monday afternoon right here on TalkShoe.com. John, welcome to 83 of Outside the Ropes. Surprise, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Okay. All right. Well, John's voice has changed. I don't know why. He's been taking some steroids. Uh, Let's bring a couple of quick wrestling tickets before we get on to, of course, our wrestling our wrestling to our uh, movie trivia challenge here for both JD and John. Uh, John, okay. John, we reserved a uh, fireproof suit for you tonight, there, there bud. Uh, when, when you heard, when you we uh, found out you were coming, so let's bring in a couple of quick wrestling stories right here. Uh, currently, gentlemen, Larry Zonka reports this before Eleven Mania. Currently, uh, one of the most legendary superstars in wrestling history is back in. Back in the news here, and of course I'm referring to the one and the only Hulk Hogan. He is suing radio personalities for defamation in relation to his sex tape scandal. You thought this, you thought this was going to go away, but apparently it has not. But take a, take a listen to this, folks. 
AbcActionNews.com, Hulk Hogan is back in the news. Last week, a Pinellas County court judge has ruled a defamation lawsuit filed by Hogan in 2016 against Mike Cowhead Calta will move forward. This is in relation to the sex tape that showed Hogan having sex with Bubba the Love Sponge Clam's then wife. Hogan is suing Calta, the morning host of 1025 The Bone, his former co-worker Matt Spiceboy Lloyd, and the owner of The Bone, Cox Radio. The complaint against Calta and Lloyd from Hogan was that both men were involved in a conspiracy to ruin <clears throat> Hogan's reputation and to support him, as well as violating Florida's security of communications. <clears throat> Excuse me there, folks. Let me try to get that pulled up here. Excuse me. Uh-huh. Well, Chad's doing that. I, I did report this, though, that the Rock viewership this week, however, did 2.70, down from 2.78 this last week. The first hour, commercial free, did 2.948. The second hour, 2.62. And the third hour really suffered 2.54. Okay. Thank you very much, dear JD. And we can also report the update on Brian Tendrick. Who, of course, we mentioned last night, however, about his little injury. Well, unfortunately, it was not a little injury as we first thought. According to reports now, and this is from our good friend Larry Zonka for 11 Mania, on 205 last night, however, mind you, however, according to reports, he will miss up to two months. Apparently, he was struck in the left eye in the inner aspect of the nose. A fracture was suspected. He was taken to a local emergency care facility in Chicago where a CT scan confirmed a diagnosis of an orbital wall fracture and a displaced nasal bridge fracture. We will be following it closely and making sure everything heals appropriately and that surgery is not needed. That's a a tough break there for Kendrick, uh, another great superstar. Indeed. We haven't done anything with him for months, however, which is a shame. This was his first time I think he's been on Raw in quite some time, however, and for him to come back Monday and then get hurt again, however, I mean, considering he hasn't done a whole hell of a lot except for being on the 205 Live show now, uh, everyone's saying that it was Tommy's fault, however, he should be held accountable for what he did to Kendrick. I mean, we know accidents do happen. That's understandable. But at the same time, I mean, come on. Give the guy a break, for God's sake. I mean, that's like if Kendrick would have done that to him, though, you know? Yeah, I would agree. I definitely I definitely would agree. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> let's see I had to, had to re- revamp the story here, ladies and gentlemen. Let me go ahead and go back and, uh, and talk about what I was mentioning before. Hulk Hogan is suing <clears throat> uh, Mike Cowhead Calta. The morning host of 10, on 1025 The Bone, his former co-worker Matt Spiceboy Lloyd, and the owner of The Bone, Cox Radio. The complaint against Calpin and Lloyd from Hogan is that both men were involved in a conspiracy to ruin Hogan's reputation and to extort him, as well as violating Florida's Security of Communications Act. Calpin and Lloyd refused to answer the allegations from Hogan and have been ordered by the judge to respond within 20 days. Hogan is seeking unspecified damages, claiming the tape ruined his 35-year professional wrestling career. J.D., your take on this latest development involving Hulk Hogan? Well, we thought the Hulkster, I mean, had had really changed, to use the term loosely, and I do mean changed, because it seemed like, however, things were finally slowly, 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 but really getting back to normal for the Hulkster. And, I mean, it took some time, obviously. But now, with this latest development, however, I mean, does this mean, however, WWE is not going to show interest in bringing him back? I mean, there was talk they want to bring him back at some point in some capacity. But now, I mean, this just might have just wiped that out entirely. I mean, unless they have something to settle for, I just don't see anything returning, you know? Mm-hmm. John, did you have a take on this development involving Hulk Hogan? Yeah, I agree with JD on that. Yeah. And one more quick and one more quick story here, guys, here before we go on to the <clears throat> the hot seat movie trivia challenge. Uh Kenny Omega, this is coming from Larry Zonka for Love Mania. Kenny Omega is happy for Shinsuke Nakamura that says hasn't done anything compelling in the ring in WWE. Kenny Omega recently spoke with Sports Illustrated 
and spoke about Shinsuke Nakamura's WWE run and more. On his upcoming match with Chris Jericho at Wrestle Kingdom 12, Omega says this, I really want this match to be a wake-up call to New Japan and WWE. This match is going to open up a lot of eyes, and it's going to involve a feeling that you never felt when watching a wrestling match. It's a clash of unique worlds, and the match we're going to show with aggression, violence, and disdain is going to invoke a new kind of emotion from people watching it. On Nakamura's WWE run, Omega says this, I'm happy for the response that he's getting, of course, and all of us in New Japan knew when he left he was going to get over with his charisma, but when I see Nakamura in WWE, it's hard for me to say he's done anything compelling in the ring since he's been there, which is a shame. It will just take the one right story and the one right moment, and then people will be captivated, captivated by everything that he does. Right now, he hasn't had that. Uh, and, uh, and also, on Nakamura being booked poorly at the Survivor Series, Omega says this, even to another degree, everything in WWE is super overbooked. Some people in WWE even need the steps and their footing in the ring choreographed. They have to pace their breathing before they even go through with a match in the ring. When you're deal- used to dealing with people who need that match management, who need who need to have that much choreography in their matches before they go out and perform, then when a guy like Nakamura, who is this new age strong style, and a lot of that is based off emotion and feeling and fighting spirit, wrestles someone who needs marks on the ring so he can get his footing right with a set of instructions, that's where Nakamura's style gets lost in translation. Everything starts to come across as soulless, if that makes any sense. It's interesting words, J.D. from Omega, about uh, Nakamura uh, and WWE. Kenny's right, though. I mean, in a way, I mean, even though he has got to watch, however, right now, some of the stuff he's saying, because if WWE were to give him a chance or any major league promotion, whether it be WWE, Ring of Honor, Impact, however, uh, however, he might want to tread lightly. But, uh, no, he does bring up some very good valid points. I mean, even though he's got that big match, of course, coming up with Jericho in less than uh, six days from now. And, of course, that's the big fight of the year that everyone's talking about. Of course, I just wish they would be televising that damn thing instead of just not letting everyone in the dark on this, however, and just have to get the results online. But, no, he does bring up some good points. I mean, Shinsuke, since he got to the roster, has been up and down quite a bit this year. I mean, he has some good matches. Don't get me wrong with Bobby Roode on takeovers, however, like in San Antonio and in Orlando. But, like I said, he hasn't really broken through the glass ceiling that he was supposed to, Jeff, because they've kept him in the dark. But no, as I've said many times over, and I'll keep on saying it, however, I think 2018, barring any injury, barring any personal matters, I think 2018 could be the year of Nakamura. I really do. I think he could break through the ceiling in some big ways this coming year. And I wouldn't be surprised if WWE gets behind And if they don't, shame on them. And I would agree. But John, your take on, your take on uh, comments made by Katie Omega regarding Nakamura? I agree with that. Thank you very much there, gentlemen. Uh, J.D., thank you very much for uh, your news tidbits. John, thank you for your opinions there as well. 1724-444-7444, call ID 141387-POUND. This is episode number 83 of WWS Outside of the Ropes for, of course, Wednesday, December 27, 2017. Mr. WWS, Chad Henshaw, the Iceman, Jared D. Girolamo, and the Human Supports Machine, John Gross here, with you here this evening. <laughs> Along with that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, we've gone back to, uh, of course, polls.amctv.com for, of course, we've used one of their uh, one of their movie quizzes here, of course, for our movie trivia challenge. I see that both our gentlemen here has got their fireproof suits on and they're sitting in the seats right now. Are they hot, guys? Are the seats Ready. hot? Buddy? Yep, they're hot. They're hot. Excellent. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. All right, JD. Uh, you and John, you and John both will get a chance to answer the same question, and well, these are the ones with the choices here, guys. Yes, I did. Awesome. Yep. You'll I'm ready. You'll ha- okay. You'll have choices there. This one, guys. So, like I said, if you want to answer something differently or whatever, okay, y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Here we go. All right. Twenty-three questions here. Here we go. Number one. At the end of the teen drama, The Breakfast Club of 1985, after the students served detention, what did Claire, who was known as the princess, give to John, who was known as the criminal? Was it an earring, money, a phone number, or a ride home, J.D.? Uh, 
Earring. John. I'd say earring. Okay, your answer is? You're correct. At the end of the film, Claire, played by Molly Rewald, gave John, played by Judd Nelson, one of her earrings, and after she drove off, he attached it to his left ear. And yes, Barry huh. Manilow waited her wardrobe. There you go. That was, believe it or not, my niece, 16 years old, guys, is interested in that movie. That's still a classic of the 80s. That's one of the best 80s movies around besides Fast Times Ridge Bond. Oh, hey, Paulson, how are you? Good. Number, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Question number two. At the conclusion of the romantic comedy The Wedding Singer from 1998, who did Wedding Singer Robbie, played by Adam Sandler, recruit on a plane to help him serenade Julia, played by Drew Barrymore? Was it Billy Idol, Brett Michaels, Stephen Tyler, or Van Halen, J.D.? Oh, Billy Idol, that's an easy one. John. Billy Idol. Oh, okay. So let's say Billy Idol. The answer is, yeah, it was Billy Idol. On a flight to Vegas, Robbie sang Grow Old With You, it was dedicated, which was dedicated to Julia over the loudspeaker, accompanied by Billy Idol and the flight crew. <laughs> I'm that. sorry, I must... What was it he said, however? Don't you talk to Billy Idol that way, however. I'm sorry, sir. I must be serving the beverages. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was the greatest thing. That was cool, cool. It said in the 80s. Or something. Uh, question number 33. Uh, question number three. I'm sorry. It was quiz 33. I'm sorry. What was... Um, Amia, uh, I can't pronounce this. A-M-E-L-I-E. What was this person's occupation in the charming romantic comedy of the same name in 2001. A, uh, I remember it spelled A-M-E-L-I-E. That helps you out, okay? Emil. Emil, thank you. Was was it was she a, I don't know if it was a he or a she, uh, but it was a market clerk, a nanny, a salon hairdresser, or a waitress. So it was a girl, okay. Was, oh, was, this, this was an unrated film, and it's a good movie. She was a Parisian waitress. Waitress, okay, John. Waitress. Waitress. The answer is yep. She was played by Audrey Tattoo. Tatal. Tatal. Thank you. Was a shy waitress working in a small cafe in the Mont Mont. Oh crap! Mont. The French Mont- district. Mont- say. area of Paris. Okay. Now I'm off my game tonight. Jeez. In a dramatic comedy, Juno from 2007. What did Juno, played by Ellen Page, leave in Polly's, who was played by Michael Sarah's mailbox, as an apology after a fight? Was it a cheeseburger phone, a letter, orange Tic Tacs, or a penny saver? J.D. Tic Tacs. John. Tic Tacs. Tic Tacs? Yeah, it was orange Tic Tacs. To make up with them, Juno admitted to Polly, I figured you could never have enough of your favorite one-calorie breath mints. <laughs> okay. Uh, question number five. At the end of Bridget Jones' Diary from 2001, what did Mark Darcy, played by Colin Firth, die for Bridget, who was played by Renee Zellweger? A cup of coffee, a new diary, flowers, or jewelry? J.D. Jewelry. John. Jewelry. The jewelry answer is, it was a new diary. Oh, after inadvertently reading insults about himself in Bridget's diary account, Mark Mark went Mark went across the street and bought Bridget a new diary to make a fresh start. Dang, the five questions we got, and now we lost one. Right. Well, that's okay. You, y'all did fine. Y'all did fine. Mm-hmm. All right, here, question number six. What was the setting for the film The Last King of Scotland from 2006? Canada, England, Scotland, or Uganda? J.D. Uganda. John. Uganda. Umaga. No, I'm <laughs> Yeah, it was Uganda. The film was based upon the exploits of the brutal African Ugandan dictator Idi Amin, played by Forrest Whitaker, during the 1970s, whose self-proclaimed moniker was the Last King of Scotland. Question number seven. How many Manila... Man, crap. Manevolent, uh, darn it. Whooper time. Yep. Manevolent, there you go. 
Heather characters were there in the black comedy Heathers of 1988? Two, three, four, or five, J.D.? Five. John? Five. They'll say five. The answer is it's actually just three. There were three wealthy and pretty but unhappy Heathers who dominated the Ohio high school that they attended. I found Heather, Heather Duke, played yeah. by Shannon Doherty, Heather McNamara, played by Lisanne Falk, and Heather Chandler, played by Kim Walker. Question number eight. A book of the dead and a remote Tennessee cabin were major elements of which 1981 horror film? The Beyond, The Evil Dead, the Fun House or My Bloody Valentine, JD? Evil Dead. John? Evil Dead. Evil Dead? Yep. In the Evil Dead 1981, five Michigan State University students spent a weekend in a Tennessee cabin where they found an archaeologist's reel to reel tape recording an account of a cursed and forbidden book named the, the Naturion Demento or the Book of the Dead. Creepy. Well, that's one I'll never watch. <laughs> Question number nine. In which of the following Monty Python films did Graham Chapman play the voice of God? Was uh, it, I don't. Was it, was it and, and Now for Something Completely Different from 1971, Monty Python and the Holy Grail from 75, Life of Brian from 79, or The Meaning of Life from 1983? J.D. I want to say The Life of Brian. John? The Life of Brian. The Life of Brian. The answer is, it was the Holy Grail, 75, from 75. Uh, Chapman played both the voice of God and the <sighs> actor, author in Monty Python and the Holy Grail from 75. Question number 10. Which film is most widely considered as the first Brat, brat Pack comedy by John Hughes? Was it St. Elmo's Fire, The Breakfast Club, Sixteen Candles or Pretty in Pink, JD. What's the question again? Sorry. Which film is most widely considered as the first Brat Pack comedy by John Hughes? Sixteen Candles. Yeah, Sixteen Candles. John. I will say Pretty in Pink. Say Pretty in Pink. Okay. Uh, JD, pick a number between one and ten. Six. John. Eight. The number was five, so we're going to go with J.D.'s. J.D.'s, who said 16 candles. The answer is, believe it or not, guys, it was actually The Breakfast Club. Hmm. Two films are considered the first backpack films. One of them was Joe Schumacher's Say Almost Fire from 85, and Hughes' The Breakfast Club, also from 85. Question number 11. What was the main pastime of The Dude and Walter in the Conan Brothers' The Big Lebowski from 1998. Bowling, horseshoes, horse races, or surfing? J.D. F it, dude. Look, let's go bowling. John? I've seen these pictures of them bowling before, so I'm going to have to agree with J.D. on that. Yep, and that's great. It is bowling. Both the dude, played by Jeff Bridges, and, and friend teammate Walter, played by John Goodman, were avid bowlers. Yes, that's correct. Question number 12. Okay, this is going to be funny. Reapy Cheap was a prominent character in which of the following films? Bolt, Cars, The Chronicles of Narnia, Prince Caspian, or Wally, J.D.? What was, it? what was the question again? Sorry. The character Reapy Cheap was a prominent character in which of these following films? I'm going to say Narnia. You're going to say Narnia. John. Narnia. You're going to say Narnia. The answer is, yeah, believe it or not, it was Narnia. Good guess there, J.D. Reapy Cheap was a valiant and courageous rapier-wielding mouse, Prince Caspian's self-appointed servant. Huh. Good guess, J.D. That's a real good guess. Uh, question number 13. In Disney's animated feature, Peter Pan from 1953, which character was most feared by pirate Captain Hook? The Indian Chief, Mr. Snee, Tick Tock, or Tinkerbell, J.D.? Tinkerbell. 
John? Tinkerbell. Okay, but the Tinkerbell, the answer is, it was TikTok. It was the crocodile. Oh. Known later as TikTok because it swallowed an alarm clock. That's right. Was hungry for the rest of Captain Hook after having a taste of one of his hands. <laughs> uh, question number 14. The famous line, can I borrow your underpants for 10 minutes, was spoken in which coming-of-age teen comedy? Was it Ferris Bueller's Day Off from 86, Pretty in Pink from 86, 16 Candles from 84, or Some Kind of Wonderful from 87? What was the question again? Sorry. The famous line, can I borrow your underpants for 10 minutes? 16 Candles. Please get a uh, John. 16 Candles. Okay, but I'll say 16 Candles. Yep, after giving up her panties to Ted the Geek, played by Anthony Michael Hall, so he could win a wager, Samantha, of course, Molly Ringwald, thought how foolish she was by saying, I can't believe I gave my panties to a geek. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. Question number 15. The adventure drama Blood Diamond from 2006 told about African Civil War and a conflict zone within which specific country? Was it Liberia, Rwanda, Sierra Leone, or Zimbabwe, J.D.? J.D. Sorry, what was the question now? The question was, the adventure drama Blood Diamond from 2006 told about African civil war and a conflict zone within which specific country? Was it Liberia, Rwanda, Sierra Leone, or Zimbabwe? Sierra Leone. All right. John. Same thing. Sierra Leone, answer us. Good guess. Good, good, great job there, J.D. and John. The film setting was in the late, was the late 1990s country of Sierra Leone, torn about by conflicts between the government and rebel forces, partially over the trade conflict or the trading conflict or what they called blood diamonds. Hence the name of the movie. There you go. Which, okay, question number 16, guys. Listen very carefully. Which film star pairing faced romance in various settings, which included, listen carefully, a political campaign, a courtroom case, a golf championship, and their daughter's impending interracial marriage? Was it Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire, Irene Dunn and Cary Grant, Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy, or Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks, J.D.? Hepburn and Spencer Tracy. John? Same thing. And Hepburn and Tracy, the answer is? That's right. And there are nine films, that's correct there, guys. And there are nine films together from 42 to 67. Hepburn and Tracy face a variety of circumstances while finding love together on and off screen. Question number 17. In the creepy horror thriller, The Others, from 2001, what was the cause of the house servant's deaths? Was it scarlet fever, smallpox, tuberculosis, or yellow fever? J.D. Tuberculosis. John? Same thing. The tuberculosis, the answer is, yep. The three house servants, actually ghosts, had died in the late 19th century of tuberculosis. Question number 18. In which series of action spy films was secret agent Ethan Hunt the main character? Was it The Avengers, Mission Impossible, Spy Kids, or Triple X? J.D. Mission Impossible. John? Mission Impossible. Yeah, it was Mission Impossible. Tom Cruise starred as Ethan Hunt in a series of Mission Impossible action thrillers loosely based upon the 1960s TV series. They almost got away from the TV series in that, to be honest with you, in my opinion. Uh, question number 19, which film contained... Let me rephrase it. <clears throat> Sorry about that, guys. Which film contained the diner scene in which the outraged customer famously complained about rules against ordering menu substitutions? Was it Five Easy, five easy Pieces from 1970, Honky Tonk Man from 1982, the Last Detail from 1973, or Thunderbolt and Lightfoot from 1974, J.D.? I have this movie, and this is one of Jack Nicholson's first early hits, Five Easy Pieces from 70. 
John? 70. Okay. The answer is, yep, five easy pieces. In the movie Five Easy Pieces, this affected blue-collar oil rigger Bobby Dupee, played by Jack Nicholson, argued with a stubborn diner waitress about his menu order during the film's road trip. In the question number 20, in the film ad- adaptation of Stephen Vincent Benet's famous short story, Shortcut to Happiness, from 2007, who played the part of the devil? Was it Dan Aykroyd, Alec Baldwin, Jennifer Love Hewitt, or Anthony Hopkins, J.D.? What was the question again? Sorry. In the film adaptation of Stephen Vincent Benet's famous short story, Shortcut to Happiness, from 2007, who played the part of the devil? Was it Dan Aykroyd, Alec Baldwin, Jennifer Love Hewitt, or Anthony Hopkins? I'm going to say Alec Baldwin. Okay, John. Alec Baldwin. Let's say Alec Baldwin. The answer is, believe it or not, it was Jennifer Love Hewitt. Huh? Huh. In the reimagining of the of the Faustian tale, an earlier film, The Devil and Daniel Webster from 1941, Hewitt played the devil, or Old Scratch, while Baldwin starred as tempted soul-bargaining Jabez Stone, and Hopkins played defender Daniel Webster. Huh, I did not know that. Question number 21. Which creature, according to a 1990s horror film, appeared if you said his name five times before a mirror? Was it the Boogeyman, the Candyman, Freddy Krueger, or Ghostface? J.D. Candyman. John? Candyman. The answer is, this is Candyman. In Candyman, from 1992, a hook-wielding phantom known as the Candyman, played by Tony Todd, would appear if his name was recited five times before a mirror, according to a superstitious urban legend. Question number 22. Who was allegedly sacked from the Transformers film franchise after for comparing director Michael Bay to Hitler? Excuse me. Was it Megan Fox, Shia LaBeouf, Isabel Lucas, or Rosie Huntington Whiteley, JD. Megan Fox. John. Megan Fox. Is that Megan Fox? Yep. Megan Fox was fired shortly before filming for the third film, Transformers: Dark of the Moon, from 2011, for an inflammatory statement made in an interview. She compared Michael Bay to Hitler. Man. Uh, final question number 23, guys. Which ball player signature? was on the Louisville Slugger bat Wendy wielded against crazed husband Jack in The Shining from 1980. Was it Lou Gehring, Mickey Mantle, Babe Ruth, or Carl Yastrzemski? You mean Yastrzemski. That would be Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth. Okay, John? Babe Ruth. Pronounce that that one name for me there, J.D., again. Yastrzemski. Yes, sir. Thank you. And both of y'all say Babe Ruth. The answer is, it was actually that name you just had. You just asked that you to pronounce. <laughs> the, the Louisville Slugger baseball bat wielded by Wendy was signed by Carl. What's his last name? Yastrzemski or Yaz. Known as the Yaz, a Red Sox Hall of Famer and a favorite of author Stephen King. Yep, played for 22 years. And, well, guys, y'all did great. Y'all got 16 out of 23 right. Well, there you go. Great job Our- there, guys. All righty, then. I will see you all later on. Okay, there. Okay, John, thank you very much here for popping on there. Love and, uh, J.D., I'll yep. talk to you on a uh, debate. Sounds good. All right. Okay. All right, take care, guys. We do thank yep. that. And also, for... before I go, I got some big wrestling histories and birthdays for tomorrow. I mean, oh. for today. Today. Okay. All right. All right. Well, we will. We look forward to that on Revolution later tonight. Thank you, there, there, John. We do appreciate that. All right. Thank you. Okay. And that was, we do, and that was, of course, Human Super Machine John Gross for coming on here tonight. And I can we tell do. you right now that we have a pretty interesting debate. However, possibly tonight. However. Oh, um, and um, and Eric Phillips and Garrett gives a little bit of a teaser. 
Uh, let's just say, however, we might go back and look at the year in review and give you what we thought were some of the bigger stories of the year. What stories stood out for us this year? Ooh, well, we can't wait. We would definitely, we'll definitely be hearing about there coming up here in about 20 minutes. Call ID 139-925-POUND for, for, for tonight's edition of WWS Wrestling Debate. I do want to thank the Iceman, Jared DiGirolamo, and the Human Surface Machine, John Gross, for joining me here tonight for episode 83 of Outside the Ropes. <clears throat> and uh, I'll be back on here a little bit later, folks, at 9 o'clock for WWS Revolution. Our live video feed will be from ECWS. This is Extreme. As we will talk about, of course, the latest wrestling news. Also, news reviews, and, of course, also John will bring you the history and the birthdays. And, of course, we'll definitely get some talking about uh, what happened on SmackDown uh, last night. And uh, some other fun stuff here will definitely be taking taking place here. So, well, we definitely will definitely look forward to that coming up here on the Wednesday edition, the final Revolution Wednesday Revolution of 2017, coming up from nine to eleven. Of course, one three eight zero five five pounds. Outside the ropes is a, is a broadcast of the WWS Radio Network, right here on TalkShoot.com, where we are two years older and continuing to be bolder. The radio network continues to be and will forever remain. Not only your wrestling, but your pop culture connection as well. <clears throat> thank, you much, thank you very much for joining us here, folks. We will definitely see you on the red carpet. Take care of yourselves and each other. And as always, here in the WWS Radio Network, right here on TalkShoot.com, God bless everyone, and have a sense of terrific evening. Good night, everyone.